0: Hello, I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp. Welcome to the Biohack Your Beauty podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of biohacking, spirituality, wealth, and self-development. Join me in exploring paths to health sovereignty, freedom, and ultimate well-being with the experts, teachers, and guides who are leading the revolution. Hi beautiful ones. I hope you're having a wonderful week. So happy you've tuned in today. I wanted to share a few updates before we dive into the show. I am deep in wedding planning mode. We're getting so close, and oh my gosh, there's so much still to do. I'm very grateful for my bridal squad. They're keeping me on my toes and helping me stay organized. Between the dress fittings, The hunt for centerpieces and planning our honeymoon. I'm in study mode. I'm currently in the midst of image consulting school as a deeper layer of biohack your beauty that I am very excited to offer. So if you're not familiar, image consulting focuses on cultivating your personal brand by helping you develop your personal style one that aligns with your unique personality dreams goals and lifestyle so my image consulting involves providing guidance on things like clean skincare and makeup techniques ways to help you enhance your natural features and support you in becoming more visible on social media and in your sphere of influence With your unique personal style. And we also work on assessing and maintaining a healthy lifestyle with nutrition, biohacking, beauty support for a holistic and truly authentic image for your personal brand. There are so many of you who have incredible strengths, gifts, dreams. And yet you're struggling with how to confidently present yourself to the world in a way that feels soul aligned, fun, and beautiful to you. So that is my mission to help every one of you who wants to be out there, but is scared to be seen. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes or head to my Instagram at DoraBandCamp. Okay, my loves, today's episode is incredibly powerful. I have the honor of speaking to Dale Sheen, a leading interior designer and website designer. So Dale shares her inspiring story of the loss of her mobility as a teen, overcoming immense obstacles and challenges, and creating a wildly successful business and life, despite the odds. Dale and I discuss resilience and self-love in the face of tremendous adversity, how Dale transformed her health when her mobility became limited, dating with mobility challenges, how Dale met her husband, overcoming the story we tell ourselves that we are not lovable, and powerful tips for designing a home and a life you love. This episode is for anyone who has ever experienced self-doubt or wondered if their dreams are too big. On to the show. Hello, Dale. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. The sun came out, which is nice because it was raining earlier. Awesome. Yeah. And where are you located? I think you're in Canada, right?
1: I am. I'm in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and it is just about to start raining here. It's been sunny all day. So oh you can't see the, hear the thunder and lightning coming.
0: Yes. Well, if we do, it'll create yeah. some character to the, to <laughs> exactly. the interview. Exactly. So I'd love to just hear your story and talk about what led you to where you are today. So just maybe sharing yeah, from where it all started.
1: All right. I, um, so I am an interior designer. I am a website designer and I work with people all over the world doing both of those careers. And I absolutely love it. Um, the interior design career was one of those funny things because it was something that I didn't know I would be able to do. I always wanted to do it, but at the age of 16, I ended up having a surgery that went wrong. And in the process of that, I, my body was already seeing some weaknesses and some things going on. I was walking on my toes and what ended up happening was I had a doctor come and say, I think what we can do will really help you through the surgery. But what ended up happening is that he was young and he made some mistakes and he really underestimated the original reasons why I was having that weakness. And so the underlying disorder that I had was slowly killing off my muscles. So when he had made the mistakes within the surgery, I was off my feet for many more months than anyone had anticipated. So at that point I ended up, um, being off my feet for months and months and months and trying my best to like do all the healthcare choices and i i moved away and like did physiotherapy three times a day and like lived within a hospital in my grade 12 year just trying to make sure i gave myself all the chances in the world to like regain the muscle but the problem with my disease is that once i lose the muscle it's gone forever i'm never able to get it back it's really similar to like a parkinson or uh not a parkinson an als which it, ALS is basically, it happens really quickly. Mine happens quite slowly over my lifetime, but at the time we didn't know exactly what it was and we didn't. And the doctor knew I had some neuromuscular things going on, but not to the extent of what it was. So as a 16 year old, I was faced with leaving the hospital in a wheelchair and getting told you will never walk again. So I, my entire kind of like Thinking I was going to college, thinking that I was going to go back to high school and graduate with my friends and walk across the stage and all the things that mattered to you at that time and go to parties and all that. All of a sudden, I couldn't get into people's homes, couldn't walk. I just, my whole life got dumped on the ground. Like it was like, oh my gosh. It's, I always say it's like a puzzle that you don't, that has no picture. Like you don't know what it's going to even look like. So, how do you put the pieces back together? It's just so confusing. And I didn't even know how to live. Like I didn't even know how to do life in this new, body or circumstances because I didn't use any mobility aids or anything. So my health became like a forefront and something that I wasn't, I didn't want to focus on. I, I always joke that I was the popular girl in high school. And like, that was my whole identity. I didn't really know much past that. Like I, my, it mattered way too much to me at the time about the way that things looked. And all of a sudden, everything about my life, didn't look the way I wanted it to. And it was hard on my mental health. It was hard on my weight. It was hard on my self-esteem, just everything. I My, my world kind of got turned upside down. And then when it was time to go off to college, I hadn't applied anywhere because I'd been in the hospital. I'd been struggling with all of this bigger life stuff. And so when it was time for me to start applying, um, I went to the guidance counselor at my school and he said to me, you know it's not going to be easy for you to do interior design, like I know that's your dream, but you can't even get into someone's house. And this was 20, 24 years ago now, so I'm 40 now, and I basically was like, You're right, like he to me, he was an authority figure, to me, he was the guidance counselor, I was there for guidance, I listened, and so I'm like, Okay, I have to pick something else, so I picked another program that had room that was at a small campus. And I moved away from my parents and like tested out being independent. And it didn't really matter what program I was in, but ultimately it was not the program in college I wanted to be in. Although I finished and I had a great experience and I absolutely loved college. I came out of it and I was like, well, now I'm a social worker and I need more creativity than that. And social work is like pretty much the hardest one of the hardest professions you can ever have because your whole heart has to be into it and you have to really have passion for it. And I did not. So I was like, okay. So when I got out, um, I was speaking with my aunt who's business coach and she's like, um, why aren't you going to be an interior designer? And I couldn't answer. Like, I'm like, well, because you know, the story I just told you and it's so hard for me, I'm in a wheelchair now. You know, I came with all of what, what I call are like sort of my, yeah, butts like, yeah, but I'm not able to get in people's houses or yeah, but I can't do what other designers could do. Yeah, but I can't carry samples around. Um, and she's like, yeah, I know. Cause in the meantime, in my sort of spare time, when I graduated college, I moved back with my parents and I ended up um, helping just friends and family and people that knew me with their homes. And she's like, well, you're already doing it though. So you've proven that you can do it. So why don't you make it a career? So that's how I got into interior design and kind of where my journey of entrepreneurship and trusting in myself and my own thoughts instead of lending letting other people decide what i believe about myself began but you know it's been 24 years it's been a long journey
0: wow mm-hmm. what an incredible story so when you you know you went to college and you were shifting that and I, i'd love to kind of touch on that piece where you said like i had this identity I was the popular girl. This was what I really saw myself as. And then all of a sudden that just wasn't congruent with my reality. Mm -hmm. What was it for you that kind of allowed you to be open to this new identity that you then were stepping into?
1: Yeah. I think it was a few things. I went off to college and I think that that was a huge growing opportunity for me. I mean, I wasn't around any of my friends anymore because my friends were really good to me when I came back to the small town that I lived in. Um, I, they still included me in everything that I could go into, but like, you know, I can't get into someone's house that easily. So I didn't necessarily go to every party or I didn't go. And truthfully at the beginning, I didn't even want to go. Cause I was like, well, this is going to be short-term. Like something's going to come along and save me from this craziness that's happened and become my life. And when I realized like slowly, but surely, like time helps you accept things that are hard and get you used to what your new reality is. And so what I started to kind of realize was that, um i can still have a good life cuz i when i moved away to college i made all new friends and i still fit in with people and like the thing is is like you you literally start questioning everything absolutely everything in your life when something sort of goes wrong and so i when i moved to away to college i met my roommate and my roommate was also in a wheelchair because we lived in accessible dorms and she's like, you know, people aren't going to like you and you're not going to, and that was something that I hadn't, you're not going to fit in. was basically her message. And I had, hadn't thought of that. Like I had, I worried about absolutely everything. I worried about how will I be independent? How I'll get my own groceries, how will I cook for myself, how will I get to school every day, who's going to move the chair. If there's a chair in my way at the desk, when I get <laughs> to the class, like I went down the rabbit hole of worrying, but I hadn't worried about friends yet. And For me, the thing about worrying about that was that was a whole new level. And so when I got to school, there's some self-trust in that you have to just push through the hard thing, go to school, be nice to people, be yourself, you know, have the normal conversation you'd have if you were or weren't in a wheel, like who you are on the inside is not, has never changed um, just because you're somebody different potentially on the outside, as far as the world sees. Um, I still made all new friends. I still fit in socially. It's like nothing she said was true. So that built just like a little nugget of self-trust. And then once you have a little bit of self-trust in one area, you can kind of like move to the next area and be like, okay, now I have to figure out a job, or I now I have to figure out, you know, I figured out independent living. I figured out so the social aspects of like what could I still take part in socially, what couldn't I take part in socially? Um And then, so, and then I moved on to kind of like figuring out a career. And then after that, I got out of college and it was time for me to use my like lesson in self-trust and figure out how am I going to get myself healthy, both mind, body, and like spirit, basically. So I realized like I had to lose some weight because my physical weight was making it hard for me to do basic things. I had to lose some weight because if I, have further um abilities taken away from me it would have made taken my mindset in the wrong direction so for me like people will say oh it's body shaming to say you have to lose weight or these kinds of things and it's it's 100 just about me and my circumstances the weight was not doing me any good it was making me unhealthy it was making me tired it was making my my muscles tired. It wasn't nurturing my body. So there was a whole bunch of stuff around that, that I had to change, um, and wrap my head around. And so it was just like sort of a slow process. And I started with going to college, figuring out my social situation, figuring out my finally figuring out my career situation, which took many years and then figuring out my health situation, which also took many years.
0: Wow. Yeah. And when it comes to health, because that is something we I think we often take those things for granted. Like just we, especially when we're younger, we kind of just do whatever. Right. And we don't really think about the long-term consequences or what will happen in the future. What were some of the things that you had to implement when it comes to your health? Because, you know, it, it's a whole different ball game with sure. where you were at.
1: Well, this is the thing that I realized, like we have control. Like for me, my new life had zero control of what my muscles decided to do at what rate they were dying at what, you know, it just wasn't up to me to, I couldn't go to the gym and keep my, those muscles strong. Didn't matter if I worked out night and day, truthfully, if I worked out too much, I could tear the muscles and they would never rebuild themselves. And it would be a faster track to losing that muscle. So it was kind of like a vicious cycle of like, how do I figure out my personal journey to health? And the, the only tool I could identify quickly. And like, I knew I had control over was the food I put in my body. So, and it wasn't just food. It was, um, food and quantity of food. So I needed to make sure that my new level of output, like it was essentially a math equation. It's like, if I'm going to use this many calories to live my best life every day, then I eat this many calories, um, in order to feel healthy, feel strong, get enough protein, get enough vegetables, you know, do all the things you're supposed to do. So I came, became a lot more mindful about food. And I stopped listening to other people's ideas about food because the thing is, is that what might work for somebody who can work out an hour a day or loves yoga or, you know, is really physically active and they're running up and down the stairs and they're going grocery shopping and walk around stores. I'm doing none of that stuff. So to say I need to eat three big meals plus snacks every day, you know, didn't, it never felt right. Like I remember being a little kid and having to eat breakfast and just thinking like, oh, I'm not ready to eat yet today, but breakfast is the most important meal of the day breakfast. And I think for some people, it really is. You have to eat breakfast to have a really good day. And like, that's what starts off their metabolism and gets everything going. But for me, I found that um, intermittent fasting, there wasn't a name for it at the time, but I'm like, I feel my best if I just wait a couple of hours and then start eating the food I eat. And I also don't like to eat late at night because it affects my sleep. And so sleep was important as well. So I had naturally given myself, I didn't even know I was doing it until there was something to call it, which was, interesting. <laughs> but I knew that between sort of 10 AM mm-hmm. and 7 PM was my best hours for eating. And if I ate outside of those, it wasn't great. And I can still do it. I mean, if I want to do it, if I'm at a birthday breakfast or, you know, like there's some reason to do it, or I'm at the airport and I need to eat before I get on the plane, whatever. I don't have hard and fast rules, but I eat intuitively now. So I listen to my body. I, when it's hungry, I eat. Um, I have things that I enjoy that are healthy. And in the process of that, getting away from college food, because <laughs> happens. you come out of college a little heavier than you want to be, you know, everybody does yeah. and a little bit un, more unhealthy than you want to be and all those things. Um, something else I realized that didn't serve me was alcohol. Cause during college, you're drinking on the week- weekdays and you're going out on the weekends and it's just really part of the culture. Um, so now I just really limit drinking. Like I'm, you know, I drink occasionally, which is a drink well, like twice a year, um, yeah. because I don't enjoy it and it doesn't make me feel good. It makes me feel terrible. So those were the things I had control over and I had to focus on I couldn't get lost and drown in the sadness of the the disease. I had to say, okay, here's my, here is what I have in my toolbox. And that is to control what I put in my body.
0: Mm, So powerful, so many good nuggets. And there really is such an empowering, like, feeling when you know what is right for your body and what works for you. And I think the alcohol piece is also a big thing. Like it's a part of college culture, but it's also just part of our culture in general. And just saying like, like you said, in so many ways, like this is not right for me. And I'm just going to set that boundary for myself because I know that the consequences aren't worth it to me. So yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And then During that process, do you feel like there were things in your life that that helped support you in that? Like, was your family supportive? Like what were kind of the pieces that really got you through that?
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing about my family is they're amazing and they're supportive of everything and anything that I'm doing. So, and they're always like my number one cheerleaders and something that is very, when you are going through hard stuff, we all have people in our corner that are kind of like, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't, you know, if you, if you change, even if it's the, if you're changing the way you eat or you're pushing a boundary that they're not comfortable with, as far as like your own success or your own, whatever, there's sort of two kinds of people. And there's people who like doubt you and are like the, and honestly, I think that they want the best for you, but they don't want you to feel disappointed. So what they do is they try to steer you away from your dream, your goal, your idea, because it's too scary for them to think about and they don't want to see you fail. And then you feel sad, you know? And like, that's that a lot of times our parents can be like that. And my, luckily my parents were like, honestly, you can do anything you set your mind to. So we believe in you. Um, but of course, everybody's had some people come along in their life where they're just like, what are you talking about? Like, even when I met my husband, um, within like a month of knowing him, he didn't know a lot about me, but I was like, I think I'm going to start doing the morning shows, like design segments on the morning shows. And he's like, Oh, I think it's going to be hard to get on those. And I'm like, yeah, no, it will probably be hard to get on them, but like, I'm just going to do it anyways. Like I really want to do it. And he, um, was like, okay, yeah, I, try it. Like you never know. And sure enough, I put my like pitch out to the morning shows and I became a regular on the morning shows. And so I think what happens is, is if you trust in yourself, you will eventually, um, show others that it's, it's possible. You just have to be brave enough to try. And that also builds trust in other people. Like leading by example is a great, um, a great, Skill to have and to be so confident in yourself. And like, I wasn't always confident. Sometimes I was probably dumb, but I was like, well, I've got nothing to lose. It's fine. So. <laughs> We've
0: all been there. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We can all look back and like, mm, yeah. Totally. All right. We learn. We learn. Yeah, we
1: learn sure. through it. <laughs> and like you, well, and honestly, even when it doesn't work out, you still learn. You learn more probably. I so, think so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'd love to touch a little bit on, cause you mentioned your husband. How did you meet your husband?
1: Um, so that was kind of the last piece. So I figured out my, I figured out independence. I figured out, um, a career. I figured out my health and then I was like, okay, what's left here? Like I, this puzzle isn't totally together yet. And so I was in my mid twenties and I thought, okay, I'm going to try dating, but like how scary because truthfully my wheelchair was a little bit of a safety net it held me it gave me an excuse that was fair and nobody would ever challenge why i wasn't trying to date why i wasn't you know people just left me alone about it same with having kids or doing those kinds of things um and so it became my safety net and what i used it for was to not have to do something that made me feel scared and and dating was the final piece that i just wouldn't dip my toe into that water and so anyways i I decided what I was going to do is I was going to put an online dating profile on like one of the things, one of the sites and just see what happened. And within the first 24 hours, like I did it one night and I woke up the next day, basically. It's not even probably like 12 hours. I had like a hundred messages from different. And I was like, Oh my God. But I didn't tell anybody I was in a wheelchair because I was very scared of my own safety. Cause I'm not strong. So I'm not able to defend myself. So I thought this is something I have to like weed through the people. And really, I hadn't even thought it through. Like, I didn't think that there, I, I didn't, didn't think it through. I just thought, do this, rip the band-aid off, be brave and try it. And so now I'm like, okay, I have to figure out what my next steps are. How am I going to tell these guys? Like, which guys do I even want to tell? You know, so I'm sort of weeding through them. And um as I weeded through them, I had a few phone calls and I was very like slow. It's not like the dating now because the Now it's like swipe this way, swipe that way. Like I've never done those types, types, but this time you had like, at this time it was an actual page where people wrote their whole bio and you got to like know a lot about them before. And people actually talked on the phone and that wasn't like an illegal act of craziness. Like texting has taken over completely. So Anyway, I decided I would have one phone call with one guy. And like I out of the hundred, I I weeded it down to one. And I I don't even honestly know why him or what about him or whatever, but we had like a couple calls and I was like, Hey, he's pretty normal. He's very nice. Like, he seems like a good guy. I'm going to tell him. So on like our third call, I think I told him. And I thought to myself, like, oh, this is it. Like, this is the end. We'll move on, you know, because I had told myself the story that I wasn't lovable. And it's something that's very interesting because what I found out is like, of course, I made up that story and tied it to my wheelchair and my mobility issues. But as I tell these stories to women in women's groups and women's conferences and all the places that I speak, I, I find out that lots of women face that. And I'm like, yeah, but you? like you of all people, you beautiful, smart, intelligent, incredible, amazing woman. Like, how could you have ever thought that that's wild to me, but a lot of women tell themselves that story. And I'm like, that's just not a true story. You know, like it's such a universal story for women that we go up and down with our self-esteem and men can kind of weave in and out of that, that. So anyways, I, um, he's like, okay. Like basically the guy said to me, like, let's, so are you free on Tuesday or are you not free on Tuesday? And I was like, Oh God, I thought you were just going to say no. And then this was done. Like, again, I got to a level I hadn't thought through. So I, I met him, we went for dinner. Um, it was really nice. Like, to be honest, I don't even remember the first date, but he did become my boyfriend for like probably almost two years. And it wasn't like, it was a really good experience, but he was not meant to be my husband. You know, so when we broke up, I was very sad and I kind of felt like, okay, well, he was a one in a million. So now I started way back at the beginning of feeling bad about myself and all the things that I had to go through the first time to overcome my fear. I pretty much started over and then same exact process. I met another guy. I I weeded through a whole bunch of guys and then I met another guy again, not the man I was supposed to marry, but in the process, I learned some things about myself dating, what to expect, what I wanted out of a like relationship. I didn't want to just accept crumbs from these guys. I I wanted them to like put me first and not put their kids first every single time. Like it had to be a balance. That was important to me. If the person was going to have kids, I needed to be their priority when Kid stuff wasn't happening. You know, they couldn't make the gym their priority or whatever. So, and I, I was just kind of like an observer. I felt like in those first two serious relationships, because I, I just kind of watched to see what they would offer me instead of having like a bar for myself. That was what I required to be in that relationship, you know, for me to stay. And so after the, after the second one, I dated a whole bunch of guys for like a year, like really short, but really good experiences. Cause I just kind of like had fun, enjoyed it all went on lots of dates. um, And I'd be dating a guy for a month and then be like, Nope, can't, can't do life with this guy. No, I'm done. And I was way faster to like realize the things that didn't work for me. And, um, then I met my husband online again, but this time I didn't put my like profile up. So there wasn't weeding a hundred people. It was like, once I liked somebody, there was a feature that I could like, like their picture or send them a message, but they couldn't see my profile until I did that. So I really liked that aspect of it because I got to like read through every other time I'd let a hundred messages come in, weed through the people, figure it out. So this time I picked somebody's profile that I actually liked not the other way around. And, um, our first date was like five hours long. We had dinner. It was just so nice. And so I was like, okay. And he was very like, um, he's like, can I see you again? Like immediately and whatever. So I was like, yeah, for sure. Like uh, what you plan a date and I'll be there kind of thing. And then on like our third date, I think it was, he said to me, this is so wild, but I have to say yes or no right now. Do you want to go on a trip to Hawaii with me? in three months time, but my friend's place is available. And do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Cause I just thought if I don't like him at three months, I won't go. So nothing, you know, whatever. And, um, on the, on the trip is where I was like, okay, he's the one, I love him. We can spend our every minute together and have so much fun. And so, yeah, that's how I met him. And yeah, we've been together coming up on seven years, but we've, we've we're supposed to get married before the pandemic or during the pandemic, sorry. And we just were able to get married last September. So,
0: uh, yeah. Congratulations. Oh, what an amazing story. And I feel like so many, I'm sure so many listeners resonate. I resonate too with that piece of being not lovable, right? And, and having so much fear around being seen and really just Yeah. Being authentic. Well, and you know, what's funny
1: is I was okay to tell myself the story that I wasn't lovable, but I was absolutely terrified to have, to try and then have a guy tell me that I wasn't, you know, like I had made up a story that was already going to happen, but when it didn't happen, I was like, well, now what do I do? You know? So it was another piece. And maybe I like Lucked out and found amazing men that were really good to me in a lot of ways. Like, and don't get me wrong, there were not, they were ways they weren't that great to me too. Like we all have and they're your ex for a reason. Mm. But um, for the most part, they were very positive experiences. It wasn't like some bad relationship. It was that, do I want more from my husband in my life overall? Absolutely. And I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna go look for it. And that's once I decided on that, I got exactly what I wanted, which was. Mm greatest, nicest man.
0: Mm. And that piece too, about like being an observer and then actually setting a bar. I feel like, like I, again, resonate with that so much of kind of just being very passive about what we get or what we deserve and not really thinking we have a choice or believing that we're worthy of having a choice. And so- And the thing is like, like I resonate too with, with really finally, when I set that bar, I attracted the most incredible partner who Mm. blew those standards like out of the water. Right. And, and yeah, being like, wow, I can't believe not only does this exist, but I get to have it. I'm worthy of having it. And yeah, it's really beautiful. And it's, it's, I mean, I just love how you kind of refined your process over time, which I think is, it's such a part of dating too, right? Like constantly totally. refining and, and also getting to experience all of those different, different relationships so that you could really decide like, what is it that I want? Exactly. Yeah.
1: And truthfully, like I, um, it took a long time, right? Like it wasn't like, oh, I went on six dates with six guys. Like we're talking a few years of like, getting organized about what it is that worked for you in one and what it was that didn't, you know, and managing all the heartache in the middle of it and then finding the next one. And you're like, okay, well there there's better things here than the last one. And then there's some worse things here, you know, so it does take a bit of time and
0: yeah, yeah, yeah it does. It takes time and it's, it's about the process as well. Like trying to really I wouldn't say like, enjoy the process, but also just really be conscious that that is constantly what we, that's how we get clear, right. It's actually through our experiences and six dates is just not enough to know your whole life, like to know what you need. Yes. Well, and
1: truthfully, like I, I do actually tell like my girlfriends who are single, I say, enjoy the process because be curious about who people are and what, makes their, you know, if it only turns out to be a dinner, go enjoy yourself at that dinner because it's one night of your life. Like who cares? Um, And if it becomes five dinners or 12 dinners or whatever it ends up being, if you're not enjoying the process, you you're a, not that interesting to someone else either, because you're not interested in them. So you're coming there being like, Oh, this whole thing again, you know? So you have to go and basically like have fun. Like while you date, try to have actual fun. And I know it's exhausting. And I know that like getting ready for dates and then meeting another guy that doesn't go anywhere, you know, like that's what you hear from girls and that online dating is just so hard. Um, And I'm like, oh, honestly, I didn't look at it as hard. I looked at it as like part of my social life, a chance to meet new people, which I love meeting new people. I love people. And I'm curious about people. So I was like, there was times I got off a date and I'm like, nope, nope, nope. But I had a nice time. It wasn't like the guy was a bad person and I made the most of it.
0: Yeah. I love that. And my, my best friend, I was on the phone with her earlier today and we were talking about how, you know, we put so much pressure as well on our partner because we spend so much time kind of with them, but we really like are designed to have a very rich life in many aspects you're right. So I love it because you said like, okay, I had the health piece figured out. I had the the social piece figured out. I had the career piece figured out. And this was kind of the 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 one thing that I needed to still uh, like address, but you had all of these other incredible systems already like, like in place. And I think that's really important because we do tend to, especially when we're dating, like, Hey, we were like, this is, is this our soulmate, our forever person? Like, and you know, after the first date, we start planning our wedding to that person and right. Like we put so much pressure on them. And then once they become our partner as well, like we want them to be perfect. We have all of these things that we, we, you know, want them to do and say, and, and be, and, and I think it's just like really allowing ourselves to get that from all of these other facets in our life. Like that's how we're designed to be. We're designed to be in community. We're designed to be around our our friends, our family, like that is part of that nourishment. It shouldn't just all be on our partner.
1: For sure. And like, I sometimes will even say, like, my sister's my soulmate. And yes! like, <laughs>
0: well, your sister's amazing.
1: She is amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad to have her. But you know, like, I get from her and my girlfriends a whole piece of like my happiness. And it just doesn't fall on Darren because I have those girls to like, and my mom and my nieces and my nephew, you know, there's different kinds of love and you need all of them and you need to be connected to people. And for me, like I talk to my sister almost as much as I talk to Darren because we like wake up in the morning, have a morning call while we like check our emails and do some of our basic things. And like, he wouldn't, you know, he goes to work in the morning. So he's not talking to me. He's not my like morning support person. He's not my hype girl about me writing a book or doing the thing, my next thing, you know, and at, at the end of the day, I'm like, Oh, I wrote a chapter in my book today. And I get to share the things with him. But like, when I'm feeling like low about it, she's the one that she's also writing a book, and we're doing it together. So we're basically like, you know, we, we vowed this year that we would both finish our books. And mm-hmm. so she's my like partner in that, you know, or she's my partner in dream building type stuff. Cause we're both entrepreneurs and we both love that. So I get a lot of the things I need outside of my husband and he gets a lot of hit, I'm sure from his friends and his family and like the, the kind of humor they think is funny, you know, like, him yeah. and his people are laughing at different jokes, like, and I'm a girl's girl. So I'm the first person to be like, Like when we were planning our Mm -hmm. wedding, it was like, should we have like a joint, um, what do you call like bachelor and bachelorette party? I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) Me and my girlfriends are the funniest people on earth. And if any men are there, it'll just ruin everything. (laughs) Like I didn't, I was like, absolutely not. This is my like chance to have all my best girlfriends go somewhere fun and be together.
0: Yeah. And it takes a it takes really that self-love and that security with ourselves to be able to say like, you have your life. I have my life and we have our life together, but to not try to, yeah. Like keep that
1: person away
0: from the things that they love or the people that they need for sure. Yeah. It's big. So I want to switch gears a little bit, because I do want to touch on our, the design piece and I feel like you have a lot to share about that. So you do interior design and you do website design and I know that you said like I love uh like like a, I'm a girl's girl I love like beautiful things. So what is it for you that draws you to that specific arena? Um I need
1: to be creative. So that was what initially and I just always kept an eye on it even as a kid like I I, I would know things I shouldn't know. Like my parents didn't have fancy china in the house or any, or like fancy drinking glasses or anything like that. But I'm like, Oh, this is a champagne flute. And my mom's like, how do you know that? I'm like, I don't know. I think I saw it in a movie. Maybe like I just, I paid attention to the house in the movie plot, or I paid attention to the background stuff. Like And I always, always loved it. And I would always change my room around and be like, for my birthday, I really want a new duvet cover. My mom's like, you're seven. Like a duvet cover is kind of just like not a present. I'll just get that for you if you want it. It's a weird thing to ask for. And I'm like, I know. And I, but I also want a lamp, like a really nice lamp. Like that's so strange. Like my mom's a tomboy and like just the, the most like chill doesn't, you know, she, we always had a really beautiful house, but it was like, she just did it sort of effortlessly. She didn't fuss about it or anything like that. And, um, so that's what brought me to wanting to be an interior designer. And basically what I realized as an interior designer and like what my motto is, is that I help people design a life they love. And then, and I could see the joy that people's homes would give them. And it's not that I don't want to love every house that I design. I, I give my A game and I'm like, okay, this is what I want for you. But the thing that you don't realize before you're a designer or if you're not a designer is that people don't listen to everything you suggest. They sometimes are like, oh, we want to keep our big, you know, burgundy sofa. And I'm like, oh, well, the whole design revolves <laughs> around getting rid of it and I don't to make this work now, but you know, you make it work because this is the thing. I don't have an ego around the design. What I want is for the family or the person or the people who live in that house to love it. So if they love it, I'm happy. They don't all make my website. If they really didn't follow some of the things I needed them to follow for the aesthetic I like, um, but I'm happy that they got the space that lets them have their best life and I watched people's lives kind of transform and how much joy their home could bring them and I have a one of my keynotes that I do um talks about designing your happiest home so like examples I give are things like you know in the questions I ask that might be different than other designers I'm like is there a memory about like who's your favorite person in the entire world and they'll be like oh my grandma and I'm like, well, is there a memory about your grandma or something about your grandma that we could incorporate into your house? And so they'll say things like, oh, I love, she always used to wear this like gingham bright yellow, you know, apron or something. And I'm like, okay, well, let's find something that you get to look at every day. that's subtle. Maybe it's a pillow in the living room. Maybe it's on your bed. Maybe it's, um, a, an amazing, like, uh, window treatment, but. Let's incorporate it so that whenever you walk by that item, you have like just a little ping of joy instead of just doing it to look good and look like a Pinterest house. And we just go to a a store and pick a whole bunch of things off of a shelf that mean nothing to anybody in the house. um, Let's tie, make little ties to points of joy from your life, from your history, from your family's life, you know, and that I think changes how people live in their house, how people um what kind of memories they make in their house like just everything about it turns the whole experience into something different.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that and I'm such a I mean I love beauty as you probably have, you know, <laughs> guessed. But also just I think there is so much to really intentionality with whatever we do whether it's our wardrobe or the the home we live in or the way that we Uh, you know, create those little touches in our house, like all of that, I think intentionality is so powerful, even with food, right? Like all of those things, it really does nourish like your soul and it changes, it, it, it enriches your life. So I think that that's really powerful and it's so easy, right? To look at Pinterest and be like, I want this, but if you don't have the emotional connection, it's so different.
1: Well, and the thing is, is you can look at Pinterest, get your whole idea of like, okay, overall, this is what I'm doing, but I need to add, you have to add some of yourself back into that picture. Perfect sort of fake, you know, aesthetic, right? Like just store-bought aesthetic. You have to bring in a couple of little things that are special and that mean something to you. So well, and with the designing a life you love, like I, in during the pandemic, um, I started working for a website platform, um, just as one of their partners. So basically, I ended up, I designed a whole bunch of websites because I designed my own website, and people, friends, and family would come along and say, Oh, you should, um, you should, can you help me with my website or who designed your website? I'm like, Well, I did, you know, and it was kind of like a weird thing that I knew how to do, but I just kind of taught myself and never thought anything of it. So during the pandemic, this platform came to me and said, you've made enough sites on our platform that you qualify to be a partner. Would you like to be one of our partners? And I was like, yeah, uh, maybe, I don't know. I'm kind of a busy life here, but during the pandemic, I was really nervous that I might not be busy because I wasn't allowed in people's houses. So I I panicked a little bit. I was like, yeah, I better do something. I need a backup plan here. So I took their offer and I started designing websites quite regularly. And I realized so much because I was like, God, this is kind of weird. Like one minute I'm an interior designer and the next <laughs> time I'm designing websites, they have nothing to do with each other. They're so weird and far apart. Like, how do I explain this to people? And I realized they're actually almost exactly the same. So I'm just designing spaces, whether it's an online space for your brand, or it is a space for your home and your life. And realistically, I'm helping people design a life they love because most of the people that are coming to me are small businesses and they are people who are want to leave their corporate job eventually, or they want to start their side hustle or they're, you know, they've got an idea and they're nervous about it. And so I designed them a, a website that quite often leads to them being able to make that big step and make the big life change that they've been dreaming of. And I get messages like two years later being like, oh my God, I quit my job. Like we talked about it. We talked about it. They're like, I made this many sales and I'm so excited. And I'm like, I'm really getting the same hit of like happiness that I got from interior design from Designing something new. I'm just designing a website, which is, and so since the pandemic's over, I'm like, I can't give this up. I love it too much. And I love entrepreneurs. So I really like respect and love people who are taking risks and betting on themselves. And it's as enjoyable as interior design for me. So it's kind of like a funny circle, you know, circle. Like I'm using color, I'm using theory, I'm, you know, I'm using balance and all the things I'd use in a room just on a website page.
0: I love that. I love it. And like you said, entrepreneurship, I mean, it does, it's like taking so many risks and really just putting yourself out there. And yeah, being an entrepreneur is not easy (laughs) speaking from experience, but I, I feel like in so many ways, like that is such a, it's so similar to what you emulate, which is like taking risks and really just stepping out of, of your comfort zone constantly to, Dare to have the life that, you know, you deserve to have and dream of, which is so beautiful. For sure. Yeah. And then helping others do the same, which is amazing. Well, Getting to like, you know, it's so interesting because technology
1: stops people. Like people basically are like, oh, I'd love to have an online store to sell my all natural skincare products, but I don't know where to start. And I don't have five to $10,000 to make a website. And I, I tried, on one of the platform sites. And I, it's real, it's way harder than I thought. And so me offering that at an affordable rate for small businesses um, and just getting them started, it, it's amazing to watch someone. Else's dream grow. Like I'm as excited about it as if it were my own. And I'm like, this is so exciting. And it's funny because even there's been times where I'm like, Oh, this is a strange or interesting (laughs) concept. I don't know how you're going to do here, but I gave up honestly. Like I always use Uber as the example. 20 years ago, if someone would have came around and said, listen, we're going to stop using taxi cabs. We're just going to use, um, people's personal vehicle, dirty, clean, whatever it happens to be. We're going to call them or we're going to put them like into our phone and we're going to get into a stranger's vehicle that isn't even like, (laughs) and you're going to let them drive you wherever you need to go. And it's going to be better than using a cab. I would have been like, yeah, no, nobody Mm -hmm. in their right mind would do that. So that's crazy. So that's not a good business idea. (laughs) Like I'm not the boss of good business ideas. Like people have amazing ideas and I just help them. I'm like getting them to market. You know, I, I bridge the technology gap for them and I get joy out of it. They get joy out of it. And like, we're all happy.
0: Yeah. It's pretty amazing. I love it. All right. So I have three questions for you. We ask these questions to every guest on the biohack your beauty podcast. So the first question is, what is your definition of beauty?
1: Uh, My definition of beauty is being happy. So for me, I'm writing a book right now and it's called happiness by design. I think it's only half done. So I don't know if that's going to be it for sure, but basically um, how I know that I have the best life, the best, you know, if I'm radiating goodness is how I, my days, I feel my most beautiful. I there are my days. I love my, you know, if my like outfit brings me joy, if my, um, insides are emitting joy, that's the days I'm my prettiest. If that mm. makes sense.
0: I love that. Beautiful. And what is your favorite inner or outer beauty tip for our listeners? Um, my, I would say
1: mind, body, and soul. So like every day I have to do something for my mind every day I have to do something for my body. And every day I have to do something that, that lifts my soul and brings me that happiness. So, and on those days, whether it's a great skincare routine or it is working out on using my bike or whatever the thing is, or reading a great book or listening to a great podcast, I have to do something for kind of like my mind, my body, and my soul.
0: Mm. And last question, where can people find you?
1: Um, I am on Instagram at Dale underscore Sheehan underscore designs. And then I also have a website, dale Sheehan.com or dale Shein interior design.com.
0: Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was absolutely beautiful. I can't wait to share it. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It was great.